Third Degree, the podcast is brought to you by Soccer90.com. Right now, if you shop Soccer90.com and use the code Third Degree at checkout, you receive 25% off your order. That's 25% off FC Dallas, North Texas SC, U.S. National Team gear, jerseys, scarves, hat, whatever, all of it. Soccer90.com today and save 25% off with code Third Degree. Some exclusions may apply. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fans, and welcome to another edition, which, uh, if this was Peter, he would normally say episode number... 191. 191 of Third Degree, the podcast. Uh, Evidently, Peter is still on his uh, winter uh, sabbatical hibernation period, uh, enjoying the Premier League starting back up, but he'll be back with us uh, in in the next couple of weeks, right? Yeah, I believe so, in early January. And if you want to think of it in this way, this is basically the last episode of our 21st or my 25th season doing this. And this will be the, uh, you know, next podcast should be the start of season 26 for third degree. It's kind of cool. Oh, hey, those were the dulcet tones of the founder, editor, everything supremo of third degree. That feels Everyone's <laughs> hero, your hero, my hero, Buzz Carrick. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate the attempt to be Peter. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, no, uh, it's, uh, it's it's kind of weird. We, we took a week off, and uh, I, I feel like I've been kind of detached from soccer the last couple of weeks. So, uh, obviously, uh, we, we had some, you know, some of the, the biggest news the game could offer. One of the uh the all-time greats uh unfortunately passing after a long um battle with cancer in uh, in pele uh yesterday yeah i'm old enough that i remember pele playing in the north american soccer league um i'm young i was young enough at the time that i didn't really understand why he was so good other than uh the fact that everyone said he was, you know, and you could, you, even then when I was a kid, you could see him dribble through groups of people and do great things. Um, he was not on TV that much uh, in those days, but he was on from time to time. And so I did see some of his games. Um, I never met the man, so I can't speak to anything like that. But I think the most remarkable thing about him, I mean, certainly he was a talented player. And, it, you know, obviously he was the first GOAT uh, there was, you know, whether you think, or anyone thinks he's been passed up by Messi or Maradona, whoever he was the, one of the first international stars. And really that was for me, the thing that was so remarkable about him is how transcendent he was between coming to North America and, and becoming this visible superstar that everyone in the United States knew about, particularly if you played any soccer at all, you knew about him, but I think everybody knew about him um, pretty much because it was such a, the cosmos were, were, were so, out of this world, crazy different than anything else in the North American soccer league and, and how that destroyed the league is actually a different conversation. But, um, you know, the, the, the things he did as a global ambassador, both here and then around the world and, and trying to build the game in countries that it wasn't big in and trying to build the game in Africa and trying to build the game in other parts of the world. I, I think you can't undersell, uh, the work he did off the field as much as he did on the field. It's been interesting. Um, Whenever any true great passes, and I think when you you know you think of players at that level, the last two were 
Maradona and George Best. And people may have stories of of seeing them or having an encounter where they kind of got close to him. But it, certainly looking around Twitter, uh, you know, I saw Steve Davis posting a picture of a ball that he had, you know, addressed to Steve Pele. Um, I've seen a few things like that where it's just like the accessibility to Pele is something I don't think. And I think as a European, I, I didn't really appreciate that until today because, you know, in Europe, a lot of the narrative was always, it would have been great for you to try it against, uh, you know, Eusebio at the same time and been like a, a week in, week out opponent. And, uh, you know, the... Um, Certainly in the 60s, the, the great uh, government paid for Real Madrid teams that uh, won the champion the European Championship uh, you know, several times in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, like you said, the work he did off the field, and you know, the guy could fill a 70,000-seat a stadium in a league that was effectively semi-pro, or a stand that was effectively semi-pro, like the year, the few years before he joined, um, just just incredible in the growth of the game that kind of he enabled. Yeah, there certainly is a knock to the question of how he would compare it against other players in the sense that he played his entire career basically for Santos in Brazil. You know, he did not go to Europe. He did not. Uh, make those play against those great other teams in the world at the time, other than in Copa Libertadores, presumably, I don't know when that actually started. So for all I know, speaking out of turn or whether he played in that or not. So, you know, most of his career was off the radar, except for world cups, you know, the playing in the five world cups and winning three, uh, obviously with a great Brazilian team, but you know, he was the fulcrum of those teams and that's what really elevated him. And, and he was incredibly skillful, you know, I, whether, He's the greatest of all time, or whether it's you like somebody else. For me, it's still Messi. But before Messi, it was Pele. I, I was was always Pele over Maradona. You know, from remote, I remember having him as a player, and the tape I've seen of him as a player. But certainly, you know, even now, the things he was doing in, for the game, it's a blow to the game. Not just in the sense of a great player has passed, but a guy that was still important in the world uh, has passed, and so it's a loss for the game currently, and and in terms of its history. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, you kind of hope that all all great, like truly elite players can use their platform in the way that he did to uh, to spread the, the sport around the world. And, uh, you know, hopefully everyone has great memories of him, whether they saw him play, saw highlights, or just had a good laugh when he did the erectile dysfunction commercials in the 90s. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the stuff with Freddie Adu. <laughs> or Freddie, that, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, that always seemed like a great character as, as well as, uh, you know, I, I mean, I loved uh, one of my favorite movies is Mike Bassett, England manager, and there's the bit, you know, the, the premises, the World Cups in Brazil, and uh, Pele is getting interviewed by a... Uh, by a Brazilian uh, TV outlet and Mike Bassett, the England manager's like absolutely shit face in a bar and, <laughs> and you just hear him say, Oi, Pele, you had an absolute sitter in 1970 and Gordon Banks still managed to tip it over the bar. How would you manage that? And then it just like, it just comes up in, uh, in the subtitle as he's talking in Portuguese, oh Christ, it's the English. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, uh, Victory was where I remember him in, in terms of movies. When he draws on the chalkboard, I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this skull. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure that's uh, that's that's how uh, it was with the uh, Cosmos too. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> Give me the ball, I will make it happen. Yeah, those Cosmos teams were electric. They had so much international talent. Just uh, you know, it, it was a super team here in the states. It's just ridiculous. How good yeah. it was. But speaking of Brazilians, Dan, there is other big Brazilian news for FC Dallas anyway this week. Why don't there you show that with the, us? Yeah. Uh, the signing of uh, Giovanni Jesus from Cruzeiro. Uh, you'd, you'd been uh, talking about it for a while. Uh, Tom Berger had, had mentioned it. There were originally some reports from South America. Those, you know, one in 10 are any good. And it, it turned out to be the one. Yeah, I, I don't think I can take any claim to uh, have broken any story on this. Um, Bogart did confirm it domestically. Um, but when you when you track these things and you're looking out there for rumors to share, knowing that most of them are not going to be real, uh, when you see one pop up from a club like um, Cruzario, who FC Dallas has a relationship with, um, most fans may not remember that there was a kid that came to North Texas SC last year from Cruzario. And at the time that deal happened, the Cruzario actually put out a statement to uh, allegedly put out a statement to some of the media in Brazil that they had signed a deal with FC Dallas to be like a partner organization that, that was poo pooed by FC Dallas, um, you know, officially, but it's clear now that when a second player comes from the same club, there is some kind of relationship here, even if it's an unofficial handshake relationship, Cruzeiro was a club that got sent down to uh, the second division there. And it was a club that needs money and needs help and probably needs all kinds of things. Uh, and I believe that this young man, uh, Giovanni has been in, not instrumental, but at least a factor in uh, them getting promoted back up. Um, but again, they probably need money since the sale of this player. Uh, and it, it fits a need that we talked about in the sense of, uh, you know, you and I don't know where you sat, but I was definitely okay with going into 2023 with um, Ima being the first choice at right back. What we wanted and what we suggested all along was bringing in a player not of the cost of Nanu, who's older, but bringing in a younger player to challenge Ima. Challenge is good. You want to have too deep of legitimate choices. This guy being a U22 initiative because there's a million dollar sale fee. I'm sure his salary will be much considerably less than that, but that doesn't mean his cap. It won't be higher. The, the U22 initiative enables you to buy guys for a higher price and keep their cap hit low. But a guy that can challenge Ima Tomasi, will he win the job? Will Ima win the job? Well, we'll see. That's exciting. I love having got multiple guys that are uh, of interest. You know, this guy has played a little center back and a little left center back and a back three, mainly a right back. So a, a player maybe not too dissimilar from other guys they've tried in the last couple of years in this kind of capacity. And so I find it quite interesting. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, Andres and, uh, um, described him as athletic, uh, five eleven puts him right really on that kind of borderline height for a center back, you know, uh, look in more as as potentially an an outside, um, you know. I think <clears throat> twenty one years old, forty appearances for Cruzeiro. Um, 
the Cruzeiro uh, although playing in the second tier that's that's one of Brazil's biggest clubs uh, you know there's a lot of um, ability to handle pressure that comes with playing for that club particularly when they had kind of fallen on harder times and uh, you know have just gained promotion back to the top flight um, I think that's that's that kind of winning experience that the club's been looking for, right? With uh, with guys like Lejet, with guys like Ariola, um, that kind of yeah, you know, just um, not necessarily uh, for lack of a better term, you know, Obrian um, was brought in as as a you know a young guy who from a club who had just gone bust. They never really amounted to too much. Um, so, so having someone who's coming off a winning, uh, a successful season, absolutely, um, I think that gives them a lot of momentum to come in with and try and adapt to the league as much as anything. And like you say, um, I say, I fully agree on on Emma. Uh, you know, I think we there's times we kind of went a little bit hard on him uh, because we know what a great attacker he can be, and he's kind of held himself back a little bit in in his attacking play, maybe to be cautious defensively. Hopefully the benefit of experience kind of opens the field up to him more so as it did for Reggie, as it did for, uh, well, probably not so much Brian. Brian was the opposite. Um, but, yeah, you know, this should be a, a good come-along season for, for Emma Timasi. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, um, you know, the fullback, pro- the fullback certainly aren't, aren't the problem. Uh, you know, we will discuss a little later on centre back. Maybe not not as much. <laughs> so yeah, but um, I do think it's was? it's interesting to me that they they went and traded for this extra international spot back in November. So they've obviously been working on this for some time. If not, maybe not this specific player. And Zidane did say they've been tracking him for a good bit. Um, so obviously, somebody they had their eye on. And it makes me wonder, in hindsight, uh, if the loan for Nanu was attempted to be a stopgap. They sort of were hoping that this guy would be the answer down the line. Um, they did give him an astonishingly long contract. It's through 2026 with a 2027 option, which makes him officially like the longest contract uh, FC Dallas has right now. So that's a massive investment in time in a guy you know, uh, granted, he is 21 years old. That's a younger player. It is the kind of guy that you want to invest time in. But um, uh, that's that's interesting to me. It raises some eyebrows about just how much they really like this guy when you throw down $1.5 million, not even for a complete pass, only 75% of his pass, and you give him a, a deal as long as it is. So uh, there's obviously a guy they consider to have big, big value, and it may not be walk-in-the-door big value, but it may be that over the next year or so they can they're expecting this value to go way up with that kind of contract. Yeah, I mean uh, that will put him at what twenty twenty six on his final season, twenty seven on the end of his option year. Um, Zanotto's got a you know a, he's he's known for picking up guys and and selling them on for good money, and that kind of sounds like they feel like he's really going to come into his groove. You know, even before that, and then they have a few years left on the contract as kind of a security blanket to push up the price, or, or you know, they just they want to have him here long term and and kind of him be one that they look see him as one of the staples of the team potentially. Um, definitely not a project as 
you know, we saw with um, Quinones or, or or Nani, um, you know, or, or some of these guys that get kind of like a, a two and one deal. Yeah, this does give them 18 players on the senior roster. There's still technically two open spots. Now, there is some fluidity there uh, in the sense that we don't know yet whether uh, Jose Mulato will be on the first team roster or the supplemental roster. Um, that probably could go either way, depending on how the deal was done and how Byron's involved in terms of ending his loan and actually getting into the buying part with Deportivo Cali. So there's a bit of a question mark there. And uh, when we come to center backs later, you're going to see that we need that the team needs at least one more spot for that. Of course, Frank O'Hara's deal is going to come up at the end of the summer. And again, some of that will wind back into the center back conversation. But um, we're getting close to seeing the finish line in terms of moves for this season coming up. Uh, and the, the draft picks that just happened this week are probably some of the, at least one of them probably fits into this puzzle piece in some capacity. Yeah, I'm not too familiar with with the uh, the draft picks, but I saw was it, um, Enderley the the first picked. Um, I think the guys at MLS had highlighted him as a, a a project convert to right back. Yeah, Coach Nico Seves in the in the post draft press conference specifically said that they picked him um, potentially to convert him to right back. Obviously, I think Giovanni changes that equation maybe a little bit, but you're still talking about a guy that the coach flat out said that they would bring him to camp and they'll see how he looks at wing and they'll see how he looks at right back, probably with the idea that they'll convert him to right back. Now, Giovanni just ate up the other right back spot. Then you get into the territory of, okay, how good does this guy look when we try him? Is he look so good that we now have three guys and there's some extra there? Does he, do we go ahead and sign him and then loan him down? Or do we, do, or do we already push him down to North Texas already? You know, it's odd to me. And I wonder if they almost drafted him as a insurance policy, um, you know, cause it, they didn't have Giovanni locked up at the time, at least not in terms of an announcement. And if you try and fit him into the reserve roster, there is, there are two open spots in the reserve roster, which is the bottom 10 of the senior of the, of the first team roster. That's where usually a guy out of college fits when he starts out, you know, in that down in the lower paid range, there is room for him there and room for one more, but that's different than building your 22 deep. And then all these, and these extra players. I mean, we've talked a lot about coach wanting to shorten, his, the guys he has around. So is that a guy they're going to look at signing and then going down to North Texas? Do they sign him? And is he too good in North Texas? Do we go out to USL's championship? Are there other guys on this roster that fit that bill? These are conversations that are going to happen over the course of spring training. But when, when you're being considered a wing, which again, right wing added uh, Camungo, they added, uh, who oh the the homegrown Tariq Scott, mm-hmm. who can play right and left wing too. He's he's more wing than a nine. Again, that spot all of a sudden got a little deep. So when you look at him, and then you look at the next guy, Ryan uh, Wittenbrink, who's was a nine at, at Indiana. You know, at nine you just added Milato. You still got Franco around. You got Camilo who can nine. You got Tariq Scott who can nine. These guys they're picking, uh, the top two guys, or picked at depth spots where you have lots of players already, you know, it's like, even like the first round guy to me, 
is screaming North Texas at me because of the fact that they right after that signed Giovanni and are now too deep at right back. And if you go to the third guy, they picked Cameron Lacey, who is a former FC Dallas Academy guy, but left the Academy and went to the Orlando City Academy at one point and then played four years for Charlotte. He's also a winger or nine. Played for, he's a Trinidad, uh, sorry, not Trinidad, excuse me, Jamaica, got to get that right, U17 and U20 formerly. He's, he's friends with a bunch of the guys that have come through the FC Dallas Academy. You know, they knew him and they knew what they were picking in him. But again, a position where they've just loaded up like four or five other guys. You know, it makes me wonder if this entire draft has become a, an exercise in stocking North Texas. I, I really don't see much opportunity for those three guys, to be fair. I mean, it's wholly possible. Um, you know, looking at uh, Endley, I just read his uh, his college bio, and he actually participated in the uh, in the college showcase for MLS a couple of years ago. But I uh, was told, oh, well, last year. Um, but you know, presumably, conversations with people was, hey, don't you know, stay stay in, um, finish out your uh, eligibility, rather than trying to get in early and you know, maybe not giving yourself the full opportunity. Uh, a guy who's played in MLS, uh, sorry, USL League 2. I mean, that that kind of, that almost screams um, uh, um, MLS Next Pro. Uh, Lacey as well, you, you've seen a lot of guys get called up from the academy. Why not a, a former academy player who was, who was knocking around? And, yeah, if you're pulling up guys like... Um, Jose Mulatto and 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 Bernie Camungo, you you kind of have to restock the pond and and yeah. those two positions are exactly what they've done. Yeah, the other the position, sort of in the same vein, the other position since we just talked a lot about right back is left back. You know, coach in that post game press conference talked about uh, needing to figure out who the backup left back is, and now I, I believe he meant among people like Parker. Isaiah Parker and um, Nolan Norris, not in terms of like going out and getting somebody because in going out and getting somebody, they're running out of methodology to do that. They just need to figure out who it is because he, you know, he mentioned just like we've always mentioned that they want to try and give Farfan more time off. So that's an important conversation that has to happen. But again, none of those guys are left backs. The left back they do have potentially hanging around is a guy named Holland Rula who they picked last year. And you know, that draft rights last for two years. So mm-hmm. uh, Rula is a former FC Dallas Academy guy. He is a left back. He did play. He was in college for five years because he had a red shirt year uh, and then COVID gave him an extra year to play. So he played for four seasons and sat and redshirted one season. Um, so technically he could be brought in and show up and also be a candidate perhaps for North Texas, or if he's a, he played at wake. So that's a school where you're going to be closer to being, being able to p- compete for MLS right out of the gate. But I don't, again, those four, it's now four names. If you include him, I just don't see opportunities for those guys to be hanging around the first team training all the time. You know, again, there are two spots on the bottom sort of tier of the roster where technically those guys can be signed. But um, if you're the third right back, you're not going to be with FC Dallas very much. If if you're the fourth left back, you're not going to be with FC Dallas very much. And one of those spots on that development roster almost certainly has to go to a fifth center back that coach again mentioned on that conference call, because you know he apparently believes like I do that you always want to carry five center backs and the one of them should be a fifth sort of developing kind of center back, and they said that they're out looking for that kind of body. So again, 
not a lot of room for these guys that they're picking. And it just increasingly demonstrates that if you're not picking in the top five or six of the first round, it's exceptionally difficult to make an MLS roster and particularly FC Dallas's roster because of the homegrowns and it underscores seeking assembling and what an absolute gem of a pick that guy was late in the first round last year. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, we know one of the aims um, for the backup fullback is to have the, the range to be able to play left and right. Um, you know, Eddie, Manjoma and, and Nani were both uh, deployed there quite a bit. Tumasi's played a little bit of left. Um, you know, so, um, you know, I guess you're looking at kind of um, Giovanni, um, Jesus has the ability to kind of flex to the centre-back position. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, does... We've seen Parker and Norris, or Norris also centre back. Uh, Parker more wing, but you know, can he kind of adapt to both sides and put himself in a little bit more of a favourable position to make benches uh, through the season? Yeah. It, it's an interesting question because we know Coach likes to have, you know, in first team training. He doesn't like to have guys standing around doing nothing. And when you get those drills that are 11 versus 11, you know, the, the latter half of some of the scrimmaging kind of type of environments, you know, if you've got a 23rd, 24th, 25th guy there, rather than like with North Texas or on loan or something, you know, they're not getting the action that they should be getting. They're rotating in, they're not getting as much work. So it's an interesting question. You know, in the past, they've had guys like Munjoma who ostensibly was a right guy often filled in at the left spot in first team training because Isaiah Parker was in Texas full time last year. So one of the real questions for soccer nerds like us will be this spring. Well, is Parker or Nolan Norris, either one of those guys ready to be that full time first team rotation, second choice left back behind Farfan. Or if neither one of those guys are ready, how do you solve that problem? Who's that guy that plays there in training day after day after day, you don't want it to be, you know, a, a Brandon Cervania or some other weird body stuck in that spot. You don't want it to be a winger stuck back there. You want it to be a guy who's actually in your rotation. And it'll be one of the few spots we have in spring training where we have questions about who's going to be where. I mean, the rest of the two deep, you can almost look at it and figure it out. You know, uh, there's a, I think there's still a macro problem at the eight, but right now, Siki and Brandon are the second choice behind Paxton and, and legit, that all works. It all balances. It all fits. You know, other than the nine where you have the extra Frank O'Hara body, you know, and maybe so maybe even Mulatto will spend some of the early parts of the seasons more with North Texas than he will with the first team. So um, it's an interesting question. The only giant massive holes we have is center back, <laughs> Dan. Yeah. Uh, and uh, obviously we, we now know uh, Matt Hedges' immediate future. Yep. Yeah, Hedges is going to Toronto. Good for him. He got two years, I think, with an option. It was. So he didn't get the three that he wanted, but he got two probably at a higher value. Toronto will pay a lot of money. That's good for him. Um, but on the call, uh, again, on the on the post-draft call, Coach Nico Steves flat out said they're looking for a front-line center back. Um, you know, they are happy with the, the first three that they have. Um, Martinez, uh, Nicosi, and um, Ibiaga, they do want a fifth guy, but they're they're in the market for that other guy. And he did say like they're looking for a very specific profile. And if the profile is not there this right now, they'll sit on it until summer when there'll be a lot more options available. So we might be looking at a little thinness at center back going into the season. 
Yeah, and then something you've kind of been mulling openly was the idea of sitting on it a little bit till the, the summer, till uh, Hara's deals up and suddenly yeah. you have another DP spot to yeah. you know, potentially spend on a on a first-rate defender. Yeah, I think there's nothing wrong at all with spending a DP money on a center back. The questions become, do you do a DP center back like Matt Hedges has been for basically like a decade now where he was a DP and they would buy him down so it was under a DP? Are we talking about legit like over a million dollars, two million, three million dollars, which is how much Freka Hart is on. You know, is that we're talking about that kind of DP? And and that's a player that's more in his prime, perhaps, than a player that's, you know, on eight hundred thousand who might be, you know, thirty one, like, you know, similar to what Hedges was at towards the end there. So uh lots of questions abound. I it seems that they're missing out on long. Uh that was reported as a player they were interested in. We've never heard any interest in Callens, that doesn't mean there isn't any. This just never has been reported by anybody, and I don't have anything that says that that might be the case. But other than the fact that he's a guy that's been at the top of this league for a couple of years, and certainly we would like it if they were interested in him. But it's turned out to be a tough market for center backs. So, you know, I, while they're still looking, it's it's beginning to be a little bit late when camps are going to be two two or three weeks from now, you know, to try and get that body in when there hasn't been any noise at all, really, about SC Dallas in, the, in that market for MLS players anyway. Yeah, it's going to be, yeah, like I say, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do with, uh, you know, if it's not in league, then you're looking at international spots, which, uh, you know, you they're out of here. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Now, there could be, and you know, this, there could be more international spots if uh, Siki gets a green card, if they trade somebody, if they trade for another international spot. There's ways around that, but it still is a hurdle you have to accomplish. Uh, and speaking of international players, Dan, I think it's worth talking about, and I want to hear your take on this even more than saying what I think about it, is that there was a link of Sergio Ramos, who's a 36-year-old Spanish, that's the key center back, to uh, being tracked by a couple of MLS teams. Now, nobody specifically said FC Dallas, but when somebody says Spain, and our coach is still Nico Estevez, it makes the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. So do you think there's any chance at all that FC Dallas is one of the teams that would be interested in Sergio Ramos? I uh, hope not. Um, you know, a, a phenomenal player in his day, very, very physical, and at 36, very, very physical is becoming less physical. Um, yeah, 37 in March even, so... Oof. Yeah, I, I mean, it kind of screams like an LA Miami sideshow move. Uh, you know, it, it kind of goes against everything FC Dallas, right? F, FC Dallas is young, developing players, selling them on for a profit. That you're not gonna, you're not gonna have that with Sergio Ramos. Yeah, that's what I think too. It, not only that was, it's not the kind of player that you or I would like to see come to a team like FC Dallas because of that very philosophy. Dallas is not is also not a team that historically overpays for hype, other than the one Danielson occasion where they got burned. And then I'm not going to claim Frank O'Hara as a hype overbuy. That's a Dan Hunt falling in love with him in person overbuy. So th this is not really the kind of player that the team has jo Jones on. It really was only the Spain part that made me just raise my eyebrow and and wonder. Uh, I again, I don't I don't think it fits. You know, if you're gonna pay overpay for a 37 year old center back, just keep Matt Hedges. <laughs> you know, that would have been fine. You know, we've talked about the the vibe we get, the word we get is a, is a is a belief that um, you know the center backs here were tailing off late in games with work rate and movement. 
And and part of that, of course, probably is the heat here. A 37-year-old center back does not fit that bill either. So like everything about it doesn't fit what we think this club likes to do and wants to do. You know, again, just the Spain made me wonder, uh, and I thought it was worth a discussion, even if you and I both agree that that's crazy and it would not make any sense at all. Maybe, uh, maybe if he was uh, originally with Valencia instead of Sevilla, and there was that link there. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, Valencia, if he was Valencia center back. Yeah, that yeah. would. That would... <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, even just, just, uh, just the idea, you know, how bad, he, how badly he's been hit by injuries the last couple of years, how few games he's played, and then, hey, his, uh, his absolutely awful heat to go with it. Yeah. If, if you're going to give me an older center back with a sort of Spanish vibe, I'll take uh, the 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 Funes Mori brother. No, I was going to say oh. Funes Mori, the, the the one that's the center back who's now down at Cruz Azul, but he's 31. Romario Funes Mori. I don't want that Funes Mori either. But um, yeah, I, I just don't think in general. Listen, this is still the big question mark, right? Center back. Right now, you're going into the season with three. Even if you go get that fifth guy who's going to be a developmental guy, a young guy, a kid, maybe it's a guy out of cause, maybe it's a, a, a free agent or something, that's still the fifth guy. That's not – the club is looking at a, a lifetime journeyman backup uh, in Ibiaga. Nikosi, who we've wanted to be a starter for years now but never has quite been able to do it. Martinez, who's starting to get older and show some breakdown legs. You know, there's such a need there for the pillar guy. Uh, and with, without that, you're going into the season a little sketchy. Now, again, they like to talk about how it's a process. You know, they like to be, they like to wait if they want to wait. But, you know, some of, the, some of these young players are going to be good enough that they're going to start getting sold and taken away. You know, so you got to move, move you, the, the, the cycle for the coach, right? Three to four seasons. You can't go too long without filling this one role. Yeah, it's it's gonna be really. In- I mean, I feel like this is the the phrase over and over again. It's gonna be really interesting to see what they eventually do. I was trying to figure out if there were any former Valencia defenders uh, out <laughs> yeah. and about right now, but uh, nothing too crazy. Yeah, I wouldn't even know how to dig into that. You know. Um- You'd have to look at bar, like something like transfer market and see who Valencia had gotten rid of over the last few years. You know, and, and remember too that um, uh, Nico coached at uh, their reserve team like a fair bit, so you know he might know some young guys that were not quite up for La Liga that might be good here potentially. Um, he does have lots of contacts in Spain, you know, so it never shocks me when Dallas gets linked to a player in Spain, um, you know, or whether it's, whether they're Spanish or not, if they've come through those clubs in that general area, you know, um, I, I, I'm getting the longer it takes for long to sign and Callens to sign, the more I think those prices are going up. And the more I think guessing Dallas isn't in that equation. And the more I think we're going into the season with the center backs, like they are pending a fifth guy, you know, I'm going to keep calling him the fifth guy because that's where he fits into the roster build structure. So this is the big question. This is the one big piece in terms of basic structure. Um, It does lead us to other questions though. Even if you get the center back, there's still questions about whether this team is better or not. And, And I don't know where you sit, Dan, on that. How do you feel about this team? I mean, basically the front, whatever front six are holding Pat, and we're looking at 
a backup, you know, to push Ima at right, and then maybe one center back. I mean, that's really not very much change at all. That's there's a bunch of dead weight that got lopped off the bottom, and there's some new young players hanging around. But it's like I don't. Where is the desire or movement to try and make this club better? Is it just patience with the young players that like Paxton and and Jesus and and, and Areola is not young, but young is not thirty. You know, and, and Velasco, are we just waiting for those guys to progress? Is that what we're doing? I mean, quite possibly. Uh, and and looking for the answers to a couple of questions. You know, we've talked about. Sarrio and, and Kenyan couldn't necessarily hold down a spot individually uh, between them. Not always, you know, not always the most ideal um, scenario. So does one of them step up? Uh, how does Martinez's um, issue with his body kind of locking up look? Uh, is Nikosi Tavare uh, the guy who got the... 20 game run in his first season in his uh, well I guess his second season technically his first uh, season with the first team um, or kind of more of a recessive figure as we saw last year uh, does Tumasi uh, come on the way that we want him to with his attacking play does Farfan suddenly break down at the effects of having uh, you know, a full season, and even ahead of that, you can look at Pomac- uh, Paxton Pomacol had his first season, I think, I think his first season as a pro, uh, without having uh, a surgery to end it. And yeah. you know, it, it, we're at the end of the two-year recovery. He should be Paxton again. Is he? Uh, you yeah. know, does he have a little bit of a breakdown from playing so much last season? Uh, yeah, it's it's, it's going to be. There's a lot of questions as to that when answered will kind of reveal is this team better, the same, or or not as good. Um, and it's it it's tough because in such a young team, it's never just players lost versus players gained. It's it's progression and regression. Yeah, uh, Legette's going to turn 31 next season, later in the season, but next season, Martinez. Uh, will be 30 in February. You know, does he play more like 2022 or does he play more like 2021? If it's 2021. Does Siki have a sophomore slump? Yeah, does Siki slump? Does Brandon continue his railroad, uh, not railroad, uh, roller coaster up and down play when he's good sometimes and bad sometimes? Does Velasco try to do too much and regress or does he take a step forward? It's like you can look at every place on the, every position on the field. And have questions. For does Franco Hara value anything at this point? Does Jesus Ferreira have a mental setback because of what happened in the World Cup? You or know? even just for him, you know, he's he's never had like two yeah. consistent seasons. Everything's kind of been up and down. Well, you know, this seems like right now it's supposed to be it's up from here, but but does should be. Yeah, you never know. Maybe he's gets distracted by what's next. Perhaps if he thinks he's done it all here, I, I don't think he thinks that. But you know, again, these are questions you have to ask. You know, if you go just on the end of last season, you think they're in good shape. But you know, every single position on the field, other than perhaps goalkeeper, has a question mark. You know, and even pause. I thought last year sort of carried the defense a fair amount with some of the big games he had, where he had five, six, seven saves. Can he reproduce that? Uh, there's no reason to think he can't, but 
you know, even keepers have up and down seasons. So um, there's some volatility available, not to be party poopers, but there's some volatility potential in this team. You know, if things go the wrong way, this team could be really bad. Of course, if the team, if things go the right way, the team could continue to be really good. You know, other than the one gigantic massive hole at center back, you know, all the pieces are in place, even if all those pieces have question marks. Now, Colin Clark used to always say, it's Major League Soccer. You know, if they didn't have question marks, they'd be playing for millions of dollars in Europe, right? Everybody in MLS has a few question marks, relatively speaking. But um, you still still always have concerns about every one of these guys. And there's there's nothing to say that this season's going to be a build on last season. It could go the other way easily. Definitely. Uh, which, I guess, makes it so difficult to ask answer that. Is this team better question? Yeah, it's uh. hard to tell. I I can't look at it on paper right now and say it's better. I can look at it on paper and say it's the same as the end of last season, which is good, you know, and, and maybe everybody progresses and it is better, but you can't, I don't think you can look at the team and point to a thing that's like, this is going to make this team better. You know, I, there's too many question marks across the whole board and there was not any moves that were like clear upgrades at any position on the team. Yeah, I mean, I, I think... We we got asked to do uh, season previews for various outlets, and that always makes it so difficult because you know LAFC, you know they're going to be there or thereabouts. Seattle, you know they're going to be challenging. Uh, a Charlotte, someone like that, you know they're probably not. It's going to be like a, a tough rebuild. Dallas, every year, it's well, could be great, could be terrible. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah. <laughs> you just all know. So um, I guess actually, um, you you saw some news today about um, FC Dallas's uh, potential preparation for that forthcoming season. Oh yeah, there's a, a whole a boatload of tweets coming out of Ecuador um, that Barcelona SC, which is not the club from Spain, uh, is coming to the U.S. on a preseason tour, and that one of the dates is January 25th. They're going to play according to all these reports by media in South America, they're going to play FC Dallas on January 25th. So uh, there's not necessarily a relationship, that, a massive relationship with that club, other than that's where um, Quinones was from last season. Um, Ariel Graziani went and played there. So Coleman. Yeah, Coleman was from there. So there's a little bit of a dialogue between those two clubs. Um, a lot of times these teams that come on to the United States for the, for their um tours like this the games are arranged by third parties who just come to fc dallas and say hey we got barcelona sc coming would you want to play them and, and fc dallas will say yeah great so fc dallas may not have any hand in this at all other than to say yeah we'll play them i think they're playing atlas also since they're playing and there's a third game they're playing so um there's enough volume that it's and it's all agreeing that these dates are been put out there uh i didn't go look at barcelona's website so um I, I don't have any reason to doubt it, but that gives us a calendar date, you know, with that's, that's exactly one month from the season starting on February 25th, uh, that January 25th. So um, there, I also have heard some vague rumors that Dallas might go to Spain, particularly Valencia, but I mean, that could be people just guessing because of who, where the coach is from. I don't have any direct evidence that that's actually true. Uh, the last few years, Dallas has been a little reluctant, obviously with COVID to do that. But even before that, I think they had decided that they, they can get enough good domestic games, you know, around either in Texas or going to Arizona or going to Florida or whatever, 
I kind of miss the tours where they would go overseas and really press themselves. I think those are good value there, but it's expensive. Again, these are me to spend somebody else's money. Um, but we, we now have at least one date against Barcelona. That'll be, that'll be fun. Uh, it'll be, it's good to see teams, not major league soccer teams, you know, play somebody that's not a team you're going to play during the season because they, they test you in different ways. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, just to kind of recap, uh, we don't have any official dates from FC Dallas, but um, <clears throat> teams are starting to report uh, a week from today. Yes, recording on Friday, um, the sixth of sixth uh, and seventh of January for physicals for a uh, a start to the uh, preseason training on on Monday the ninth of January. Um, we're seeing. Some clubs who've announced friendlies already, they're typically starting around that Wednesday the 18th, Tuesday 24th timeline. So, um, you know, FC Dallas playing Barcelona or SC on uh, Wednesday the 25th would, would fit right in line with being that first major test that's not a, uh, a you know, a training ground scrimmage for uh, for the team. Yeah, that, that, that date would be uh, two and a half weeks after camp opens. So that would give you – now, in the old days, they used to spend you know a week or two just getting fit, but that's no longer how Major League Soccer works. You're now expected to show up for camp fit. So that's something I used to talk about Matt, to Matt Hedges with. He would say, you know, at the end of the season, you take a week off maybe just to relax on your sofa, maybe two, but then you got to hit it because you got to rebuild your body and get ready for spring training – now you don't walk in game fit, but you walk in training fit. You need to be hundred percent healthy. You need to be, have all your cardio work done. They give guys programs to do in the off season to develop certain areas. Like we want you to be looser or tighter or more cardio or more long distance or quicker. You know, every player is different in terms of what the club wants them to work on, but they come into camp ready to go. So that day one, the balls are out and you're working on tactics on the ninth. And that gives you two and a half weeks before that that big Barcelona game, you know, with probably, you know, a game versus whatever you can pull together that looks like a North Texas team, probably against maybe a, um, some other kind of teams here in town. If you can find a team that's really good, maybe DKSC can give you your younger guys a run out. You know, some of that's going to depend on who else you can get to come to Dallas. So you're probably looking at Austin. You're probably looking at San Antonio SC. You're probably looking at Houston maybe in Oklahoma city or in El Paso, those kind of things that they've done in the past, you know, are there other international teams that are playing some of these MLS teams, other teams coming here on their tours in their, in the middle of their season and their little January window, if they have one that you can put games together against, you know, we'll see, there'll be some other opportunities for other games, but the Barcelona one might be, you know, your first big test with, you know, giving you a month to the season to get two or three more big games after that, before you get to uh, kick it off on February 25th. Yeah, and, uh, well, I guess one thing um, we've talked about a little bit over the years has been the Matt Hedges-led uh, pre-season, pre-pre-season play, uh, player camps uh, before the, the CBA training kicks in. It'll be interesting to see who picks up the mantle for that one. Uh, you know, maybe maybe Jimmy Maurer, he's the... The other one that everyone's kind of looked to as a coach of the future. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, well, I think that, that would probably be a question for uh, the early <laughs> training sessions. So who picked that up? Yeah, Legette, possibly Ariola, possibly guys that are in line to be captain. 
you know, maybe even a Paxton Pomichol, who we've a lot for years felt was a future captain of this team. But we have seen a lot of pe- a lot of players uh, posting on social media from working out in various facilities in in Frisco. So yeah, uh, you know, you can see those guys getting, uh, as you called it, training fit. Now, one interesting thing from again from the post draft conference was that Coach Nico mentioned that Jesus Ferreira was the player that was going to the media stuff. Um, the last couple of years have been Ryan and uh, Paxton, if I remember correctly. Uh, and so those, if that's the guy that goes out and takes the pictures with the jerseys and does the interviews, um, they, they bring like a one player from each team to a central location. It's, it's been fairly typical the last few years. Uh, and apparently Jesus is that guy this time. The uh, My favorite thing about the MLS media day is uh, that year that uh, they uh, forgot the red shorts. Mm, yeah. on Fabian Castillo and it gave us that season with the the red jersey and the white shorts yeah that was nice before was Oscar the... got uh, <laughs> really superstitious about the red shorts again oh Oscar the white shorts are better they were they, especially those ones with the red panel down the side they were great sorry Steve we lost you again yeah you, it's a short one you can come back yeah, no new no new kit news to to share at this point. Dallas has done a really good job the last few years keeping it on lockdown, but uh, should yeah, be some start, soon. We've seen a few leaks from around the league, but uh, those will be for another day. Yeah, yeah, different day when we get the Dallas one. Definitely, that would be good. But that's always one of the last. Dallas is pretty good about keeping that one wrapped up. Yep. Um, so, so something that's written in a uh, a beautiful uh, orange. Shade of crayon. It looks mm. like uh, Amy got you a new set for Christmas. Yes. On the run sheet is the state of MLS Next Pro versus USL One. Please yeah, this, indulge this came, us. Yeah, this came from a request from some uh, Patreon listeners. Um, they want to talk about where we are, where the league is with these uh, with MLS Next Pro, and uh, I have to say that I actually think it's getting worse. Uh, I think the thing is a disaster. You know, the last year, the so much about it was slapped together with tape. And then this year, the TV deal, the Apple TV deal has caused just absolute consternation with the league and just destroyed a lot of the momentum they had in terms of broadcasting. Um, and it's distracted a lot of the organization, believe it or not, from MLS Next Pro development. As far as I know, that MLS Next Pro is basically being run by one person, <laughs> And with maybe an assistant or two, which is amazing to me uh, that that's the state of it. And I think you can look at how FC Dallas purged that team. I think you look at the coach change. I think you can look at the the, the, the talking points we're hearing about it, how the focus is going to be more developmental, that the thing is turning into even more so basically a U23 team, even for FC Dallas. Um, there's one or two more independent teams coming, which will help. But a lot of the teams in MLS don't really seem to care. Most of them just did the bare minimum. A lot of them just basically took, you know, a couple of guys at the bottom of their roster and combined it with a U19 team and stuck it in there. Some of them have a few more players than that, and they put their U19 team into, like, UPSL, for example, some teams have done. You know, USL1 continues to be the place where guys that are – in that second to third tier kind of talent level are going um, these guys that are journeyman type pros, you know, and you're getting more and more just like young kids. 
you know, Dallas has moved up two of their best players from that group. They're down to, I don't know, I didn't look late today. I think it's five or six players. You know, they've not been any movement yet in terms of announcing a coach. There's not been any movement at all in terms of players. Let me see, there's five. One, two, three, four, five players that they have. So just the retained ones. So you're going to have to build a roster like you do again every year, and yet you still don't have a coach. You don't have any new signings or loans yet. And the the one player I've heard of that from the academy, <clears throat> excuse me, they got offered a North Texas deal, turned it down. So you're still going to get, you know, 10 or so, maybe 15 different academy players are going to rotate through that thing. Some of them will play there more than others. And, and, and more and more, it looks like those guys may end up being a big core of the team. So it, we're going to see a widening of this gap between next pro and MLS and more and more FC Dallas is going to going to have to maybe only short term in terms of the organization. We're calling it short term. They're going to have to loan some guys to places because if you put um, Camungo and Mulatto back down, for example, for, to, for most of the season or, uh, with North Texas SC, they're not going to develop this year. They're going to do the same as they did last year, and they're going to dominate the league like they did last year, and that's fine if that's what you want. But those guys aren't going to get any better. In order for those guys to get any better, this is why you signed them and moved them up. If they're not, for Franco Haro's here, that's going to block Mulatto a little bit. Okay, get him playing somewhere good like USL Championship. Same with Camungo. If Camungo's not top four rotation, like where I think he should be, get him to a place like that. If Nolan Norris is ready to be the North Texas left back, okay, if Parker's not ready for first team, send Parker to the USL championship. Let him play for somebody as an attacking left back for a season. That's fine. He's 19. It's not a problem. It's actually probably really good. It would be better for him to do that than it would be to hang around here and watch Farfan play 34 games again. You know? So there's a, there's, there's a clear gap between next pro and USL one. It's not even close to being able to close it. You're going to need another 10 uh, independent teams, maybe even 15 independent teams, so that you can have more. Because right now they're kind of playing these regional schedules where you play the same teams a bunch because they want to try to keep the expenses down. You need to have like five teams in your general area that are playing this independent kind of semi-pro kind of USL one level of play. And without that, it's just a U23 team. And that gap is massive. You, you can look at last year, Munjoma, um, uh, uh, the, uh, Khalil, you know, Nicky Hernandez, who did go to USLC. Those, most of those guys that stayed here just stagnated and did nothing. Like they, there was no value in all sending them down to North Texas and they didn't even bother. You know, that's where they got that gap is. It's like, if you're not in that first 22 rotation for the coach, if you're in that bottom 10 guys going down to North Texas, does you no good at all? You need to send them to championships and you're going to have to go a bunch of loans. You might need five or six loans this year. I think maybe even more potentially depending on how the roster finally shakes out. Cause right now it's not, it's not doing any good. Like even like, even like hope, a uh, uh, or Andre Costa, like even keeping those two guys, maybe at North Texas might not be worth a lot. You know, they're not ready to come up, but it's just, man, it's just not working like it's supposed to. 
Maybe it's working like the other poor teams in MLS want it to be. It seems to have crap academies. Maybe that's how they want it. But it's not working for FC Dallas. It's a problem for sure. They may not say it's a problem, but I think it's a problem. And when I last time I talked to Andre, he was like, yeah, but it'll get better. Sure, in five years. <laughs> but that doesn't solve your problem between now and when, while Coach Nico's going to be here. You know? thing is, I think, you know, if you compare it back to that first year of USL 1, other than FC Dallas, the MLS teams were a joke. Um, FC Dallas's quality and that team uh, definitely woke a few people up. But then you also had, uh, you had the uh, Tormentor, you had um, whatever John Hark's team was, you had the uh, Forward Madison, you had these teams that were taking it very seriously and did well and were a you know, a decent commercial success. You've had Union Omaha and teams like that come in and it pushed the quality along, uh, you know, even if even if the MLS teams weren't so willing to, to go the extra mile. Uh, just in this, you've, you've really lost any need to do that because, you know, other than Rochester, uh, you've, you've kind of lost everyone. St. Louis now uh, has their MLS team, so their MLS 2, uh, their, their MLS Next Pro team is is losing you know, lot, every yeah. every player they had. Um, <laughs> it, it, there's just no... And it almost feels like the people at MLS were like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, this is great. This is what we want. And MLS Next is now like the greatest thing in the history of the world. All right, well, it's, you know, it, it's kind of whatever. It's, it's just USSDA with a different person collecting the cash. Yep. Same clubs, same everything. Um, it, it just, it, yeah, it feels like the development in general, the development pathway in general is, has gone backwards over the last five years. Yeah, there's a lot of regions of MLS Next Pro where the MLS teams have all pulled out, like their U19 team, for example. And they're telling, put them you know, in UPSO. Yeah. yeah, put them in whatever. Sometimes, like Houston just dissolved their team completely and kept a few guys and moved them up to Next Pro. Um, other teams put them in, like I think Austin and LAFC are in UPSL. There are some other teams that put together like just some random scrimmage kind of schedules with their 19 team and they don't bother because they don't consider the 19s or even sometimes the 17s at Next Pro to be good enough. There's too many clubs there that are just that are not of the par of the Major League Soccer academies, the top academies. But there's also these budgetary concerns. You know, and if you're in Europe, you can have a Bundesliga U19 because the teams are all an hour and a half apart. Well, here they're days apart. You know, you can't afford to fly every week and play Toronto and New York City when you're talking about 19 down the U13. It's just too many, too expensive. So there's still these problems with the academy. Like SC Dallas from week to week will completely change out who plays. You know, some of their very best players, they don't even bother playing them sometimes against these really crap teams because they, they already are winning eight to one by when they're rotating in everybody. It's only the really good other academies that give you these real challenges. Again, that's why Dallas puts so much emphasis on these international tournaments, Dallas cup, the, 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 the tournament down in um, Mexico that they always go to Guadalajara, the one in um, Pachuca, you know, there's, there's the Byron one, you know, and again, move guys up, move them up, move them up, move them up. You see guys that are 15 years old playing for North Texas. That's the key, right? But 
that doesn't help you between 18 and 23. You know, not everybody is ready to contribute to the first team at 16, 17, 18, like Jesus Ferreira. That's an extraordinary player. Most of those guys between 18 and 21, 22 are not ready to contribute. Next pro may not be giving them enough. You, you may need to send those guys other places. It's like short-term meaning three, five years of this. You know, it's going to take a while for them to develop enough teams that are in MLS next pro to make money, even if it's some money by selling players. But that's one of the other things you miss about USL one is the crowds, the 5,000 fans, the 10,000 fans, the, the, the 31 year olds who are going to punch your lights out because they're trying to feed their family. You know, it's a, it's completely different than it is playing a U 23 game, you know, in an empty field outside your main stadium against, you know, Toronto's well, Toronto's actually pretty good, but against, you know, FC Cincinnati, which won two games or whatever, you know, Portland, who won two games. It's like teams that didn't give a crap about that team at all. So it's not, it's not a good situation right now. And Dallas is going to have to, other than the ability to bring up Academy players to play in it, that part's perfect because then you're challenging your 15, 16 and 17 year olds against guys that are of college age. That part's good. It's the guys that are actually of the college age that are not getting challenged enough and can't get into the first team. That it's a problem. It's the developmental hole that they still have. So, I mean, th- there's not going to be an answer between now and January or February. The answer may come over the next two or three years, but I, I really think I'll actually put a list together before the season to say, here's the five guys that need to go on loan. It'll probably come more towards the end of spring training because we're going to have to see how the rotations are working and see who's in the mix and see who's not. You got to give those guys a chance to win a spot first. You know, the coach will want to, will want to see that if that comes to fruition, but it's not a good place right now. Um, I get it that the league needed to mandate that everybody be involved and everybody have a team because they want a level playing field. So that's why it happened. But for a team like FC Dallas that had invested in USL one and had this great organization running, man, it sucks that they've had to take a step backwards. It's a, it's a real blow. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a couple of things we were talking about the, uh, the center back, uh, issue and, uh, you know, players from those USL one days. Uh, I started looking at Alpha. I was trying to figure out where uh, Ronaldo Damas and Alpha Saini Jata were. Yeah. You know, Jata had that amazing looking progression. He was going to be the sixth for FC Dallas, then very quickly would be too good for MLS. And the progression never really came too much. But right now he's playing in Latvia for RFS, uh, played in the Champions League qualifiers. He's, you know, He's played two games actually at centre back in the Europa Conference League um, to mixed success, playing against uh, Basak Sahir, the Turkish team, uh, twice losing 3 0 and, and drawing uh, and a goal of straw. Uh, you know, I wonder what what he's uh, what his standards like now at <laughs> at twenty three and and having that little run at centre back. If uh, <laughs> if maybe he could be your fifth guy. Well, that's a good question. The, the problem with uh, getting anybody into FC Dallas is the international spot. So even if it's yeah. the fifth guy, it's going to have to be somebody domestic. You know, so you'd be better. They'd be better fit or easier fit going for what somebody that had come through the club and then moving on to college, um, you know, whether 
whether it be a guy who's been kicking around USL championship for a couple of years, or whether it be uh, a player in college now who you think might be ready for a homegrown deal, perhaps there's actually three underclassmen center backs in college right now that I think have pro potential. Uh, Grady Easton, who played for North Texas like two years ago, went to SMU and is now transferred to St. Louis. He just started a whole season for St. Louis. Um, he actually came out of Houston Texans. He was a guy Quill brought up here to join the academy and then play for North Texas. Josh Ramsey, who was a solar guy, played for San Antonio SFC a little bit on an academy deal, then came here, came to Dallas and finished his last year at the academy and then went to Notre Dame. Has now started two years at Notre Dame. And then Slade Stearns, who's the last year's U19 captain, went to Furman and started the whole year at Furman. So there's three potential legitimate professional center backs right there. Uh is, is one of them ready for to be a homegrown and be the fifth guy? I, I don't know. That would be down to FC Dallas, who hopefully would have scouted those guys heavily. You know, I think all three of them could get to the MLS level. I really do think all three of those guys are legit. So which one they like will depend on which profile they like and such. Um, I think Starnes maybe has, uh, amazingly, because he was a premier guy that bloomed late, he might actually become the most uh, high profile of them. But um, again, it's... They definitely said they're working on that fifth center back. We'll see. You know, it's obviously not a guy that's going to be high impact. You have him around for when guys get hurt so that he moves into the rotation as the off the bench guy if you need him. You know, in the meantime, he'll probably be playing a lot with North Texas or maybe on loan, depending on how old he is, you know. Uh, but still, it's an issue. It's a, it's a roster spot that's got to be filled, um, just as that frontline center back has to be filled. That's. Uh... A lot of uncertainty uh, heading into 2023 then. <laughs> it really is. It's funny how like at the end of last season, we, we felt really good about things. And then we sat around for a month and nothing happened and had just left. That's what happened. Nobody, you know, look, look, Hedges, you know, this Hedges was going to be moving down to a reserve role. Once he's gone, they bring in Ibiaga to fill that role. Ibiaga's not going to walk in and start, or if he does, they've seriously screwed up. He's a guy that can press four starts and maybe start 10, 15 games at, if you have to. But if he starts 34, we're in trouble here. Something's screwed up big time. You want Nicosi to start, you want Martinez to start if you don't get another guy. So, and then they haven't improved the team anywhere else other than young guys progressing, other than guys making their step up. There's no been, there's been no big time move, big time addition, big time progression big time addition and it's hard to be crazy excited about the season when nothing has happened yeah but ultimately that is is the fc dallas way kind of do your business it is a little bit later on so uh, well we got thrown off by last year didn't we you know they made mm -hmm. those moves to get areola they mid-season they go get legit they pay the money for velasco you know it it's funny how one season of them doing different business, we were expecting it to be that to be the new normal. And now we're back to the old FC Dallas of progression through, right? They, they made a couple of moves to fill a couple of big spots, but now we're back to waiting and progressing. And it's kind of weird to see that shift back or maybe next week there's a new something. But in the meantime, I mean, Giovanni, Giovanni is a nice piece. Mm -hmm. I don't know that he makes the club better today. Maybe in two months I might feel differently. In six months, maybe I will. Maybe in a year I'll feel a little differently. But like right this minute, I don't think he makes the team better. He he will he might make Ema better by pressing him. Maybe the team would be better if he passes Ema. 
but that's not opening day of camp better, you know. Man, oh. buzzkill. Yeah, that's uh, that's a real buzzkill. So, uh, I, I, I guess uh, since people are going to be celebrating this uh, this weekend, maybe you we should uh, let them get back to happier times. Yeah, yeah. Happy New Year, everybody. You know, try to not be too doom and gloom like we are about the. Listen, we're not doom and gloom. The team at the end of last year was great. They're going into the same. But we talk a lot, Dan, about sitting pat. You can't sit pat. People will pass you. And right now there's a big hole in the roster that they're, they may be content to go into the season with it and see how it goes. You know, there wasn't any tangible ways that it looks like the club improved. I, I don't love the whole tight and sit method. Granted, there's a boatload of young talent that could be really, really good or really bad. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you talk about improvements around the league and, yeah, we've just seen the uh, the news today about Cristiano Ronaldo going to uh, Saudi Arabia and uh, uh, Sporting Kansas City were close to uh, to signing him. You got to say for you know for a team that was kind of there's been a little bit dead and buried at times that that's a potential signing. I mean that's goals uh, in, in a signing, and that's the sort of things that that some clubs are going to do, and that's going to propel some teams past FC Dallas or at least threaten Dallas's third, fourth place in the division. Yeah, if you think you're catching LAFC with sit and pat, you're crazy. If you think sit and pat means that Seattle or Portland isn't going to rebound and pass you or the LA Galaxy isn't going to cut some of their dead weight and rebound and pass you, you know, I mean... There's some. There's plenty of the West has got plenty of good teams in it already. If you wanted, we wanted the team to take the next step, right? We want to move up from fourth, from third to second to first to challenge at the top of the conference. And it's hard to think that that's happening without any improvements. You know, like if you were, if you're a fan of a big club, if you're a fan of a Manchester United or a fan of a Liverpool, and you go into the season with no new signings. Imagine what your fan base would do. You, they would lose their minds about that. You know, every year there's a churn. Every year guys age out and new guys are signed or brought up. You know, uh, it's just it's hard to it's hard to say. Man, I feel really good about the way the season's going to go when the team just holds its cards and doesn't doesn't go out to the pile and get some new ones. You know, it's just granted. Again, the window doesn't open until February. Camp doesn't open for another week or two. You know, there's plenty of time still to do something. I just, uh, you know, I'm okay maybe with waiting to the summer. I'm also, I'm a little nervous about Martinez and Nicosi with just Ibiabaga as a backup. Man, that makes me nervous. <laughs> but, you know, again, Giovanni has played a little center back, but still that's not really a center back. Uh, it's just... Makes me nervous, Dan. Makes me nervous. I'm right there with you. Um, so on to a nervous 2023. Yep. So uh, any any closing business at all? Uh, not really. I think Peter will be back in a week or two, I think. I'm not 100% sure when he's coming back. Yes. But uh, on to season 26 of uh, Third Degree. It's pretty exciting. That is... 
I mean, I know we all say this every year, but that that is incredible that you've been doing this for that long. Yeah, I, I amaze myself sometimes when I think about the amount of trainings I've been to and uh, the amount of years I've been doing this thing. No, I just mean you must have the patience of a saint to put up with uh, mm -hmm. Southlake and some of the shit down the years. Well, the thing to remember that uh, um, that makes it that makes it work for me is that I grew up in the uh, dead zone between North American Soccer League and Major League Soccer. We had indoor, and that was fine, but um, you know there was no pro soccer. So like I I. I was, you know, in my twenties when major league soccer came back. So I didn't have that youthful growing up with the pro game. So it's in a lot of ways, it's, it's still new to me in the sense that I'm ecstatic that there's a pro team in my backyard of where I live, not my little backyard, you know what I mean? In my, the market I live in that I get to go watch it and cover it, you know, and I'm just every day I'm excited that I get to do it. Um, I, I obviously I would love for them to win more than they do, but you know, that's the joke I make about that's the house better than you think, because they really have been above average in the league for their most of their existence. You know, they make, they generally make the playoffs. They generally put a decent product on the field. Not, I mean, only one team wins the championship a year. Right. So it's like, if you're not LA galaxy in the early days, or if you're not Seattle or LAFC now, you know, it's like if you're not, or Toronto, or one of these big spin clubs. I've just accepted it as it is, and it's a joy to do day in and day out. And if people want to support us, they can do that at patreon.com slash third degree. Absolutely. And uh, as a reminder with that, you get the, the third degree burns. You get the uh, certain level. You get the Discord, which is always a great place for discussion uh, about soccer and and uh, everything outside of it too. So uh, yeah, some good, some good, decent level discussion is always, uh, always nice. Certainly during my work day, it's nice to uh, <laughs> pop onto the Discord, have those five minutes to decompress in, in, uh, and it not be like a Facebook or a Twitter where it's like fifty percent of it's uh, just absolute Toxic. waffle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, good podcast, Dan. Thanks for being here with me. No, thank you, and uh, th th thanks in advance, Peter, for coming back and making us sound more professional. Oh, yeah, please come back. Yeah, yes, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't think we can make it into uh, pre-season, but hey, only one week to go, and then we get to start huddling around a cold field again. Woo, yeah. Wow, hopefully the winter has actually passed, and it will be a mild January, February, because it can be brutal out there. It, it certainly can be hopefully uh you know i, I enjoy the cold weather as a as as someone who was born in it um but yeah that biting wind in frisco is is something else sometimes yep, it is indeed hey it's buzz again here to remind you that third degree the podcast is brought to you by soccer90.com right now if you shop soccer90.com and use the code third degree at checkout you'll receive 25 percent off that's more than usual usually it's only 20 percent. right now 25 percent off fc dallas north texas fc u.s men's national team women's national team youth national team you name it they've got it all scarfs jerseys tees soccer today and save code third degree some exclusions may apply Ooh. awesome well uh in that case uh thank you buzz uh, again thank you fc dallas curious fan and uh please join us again in the new year for a 
hopefully more positive sounding FC, uh, sorry, not FC Dallas. That would be Garrett's podcast. Uh, third degree, the podcast. <laughs> Come back, Peter. Ooh. Woo. Third degree, the third degree net podcast. Third degree, the third degree net podcast. Twenty-five, twenty-five long hard years, yeah. Was Carrick, yeah, the man, man. Twenty-five years, you better be giving this man at least five dollars a month. Patreon third degree, come on, pay the man. It's the only comprehensive coverage of my fucking club that I love so much. Hey, come on, it's third degree old bust, yes. Give the man some motherfucking money, hey. Third degree, third degree, never.